0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Staying Connected, a show where I talk to other people about their stories with vascular Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Today we're doing a special episode for Reds for Beds Day, and I have Bella here to talk to us about her story with vascular Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Hey, Bella. Hi,
1: Katie.
0: I'm so excited that you're going to talk to me about your story.
1: Me too. I'm a little, like, nervous,
0: but I'm excited to get it out there. (laughs) (laughs) It always feels
1: good to get it out. So tell us about who you are and how old you are. Okay, so I'm Bella, Isabella Marine, um, 25, and I've been diagnosed with VEDS since I was 10, so about 15 years now. So
0: how are you diagnosed with VEDS?
1: So I... I consider myself lucky the way that I was diagnosed. Um, I was diagnosed when I was little and mostly because of my mom's persistence in getting me tested. So when I was a toddler, I had the thin translucent skin that a lot of people with VEDS have. And you can see my veins, they're very visible. And I would bruise spontaneously. And my mom just saw that and thought it was abnormal and she told my pediatric doctor and He was like, this is normal, kids bruise all the time, they're bumping into things and falling everywhere, and she told him that I was not a hyper kid. She was like, she's so chill and um, just kind of sits there and she doesn't run into things, and these bruises just pop up, and um, out of nowhere, there's no reason for them. So she kept insisting and insisting that something was wrong, so they they did some blood work, and that came back abnormal. So then he referred my mom to a hematologist oncologist and um, from there he diagnosed me with some lab work with von Willebrand's Willebrand's disease and um, that was when I was five so I had that diagnosis and von Willebrand's is a a bleeding disorder so it means that my blood takes um, longer to clot than with normal people Mm -hmm. so if I get a bruise it'll kind of be bigger than what it should be and uh, I bruise easily because of that my um, the vessel the blood vessels they the clots I don't know how to explain it but the the platelets don't really adhere well to help the blood clot okay and um, so I, I would bleed easily as well with my skin that would tear which was because of the veds but we didn't know yet okay and um so i was diagnosed with that so that would explain the easy bruising and um i would have nosebleeds too and so that was when i was five and a few years later when i was nine i my mom realized that i didn't bleed as much as i should for a person that has a bleeding disorder so um like, I, I would have nosebleeds, but it wasn't, it wasn't they weren't too bad. And um, when I would get cut, it, it would take longer to clot, I guess. Like, you could tell that was abnormal, but it still wasn't as much bleeding as I should have. Okay. And so um, one of the times we were at the park, I was walking on a, in the dugout on the bench, and I slid down the fence and what should have been a scrape it burst my knee open and I had to go to the hospital to get stitches I want to say I had about 11 stitches and um, when they were putting the stitches in I wasn't numbing well like I still felt everything and they told my mom that I was basically a crybaby because I'm just a kid who might split their knee open you know I'm being dramatic Mm -hmm. and so my mom kept telling my doctor this isn't right you know she was feeling everything that was going on. because I'm not I didn't I never really complained too much about cuts and so my hematologist oncologist decided to do some further testing and he didn't tell my mom what he was looking for but they did a skin biopsy from my shin and throughout that time I was feeling the entire thing too I don't remember exactly the pain or anything but my doctor told me that he was like not freaking out but he was kinda of worried that I was feeling everything you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um, so they I guess they did a connective tissue disorders panel and they sent it to Seattle and it came back when I was 10 positive for veds and I just remember that day I was young and I didn't really know what was going on but I knew I had to be serious because I remember they sent me to the little playroom while my my, my mom and my, my doctor just talked about it the whole time. So I knew that it didn't come back well, but I didn't know how severe this condition would be, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I was lucky to get diagnosed that way instead of having to have a serious complication like a perforation or something happen first and then get the diagnosis. Because I think that um, getting this diagnosis at such an early age has helped me to kind of not prevent these episodes because you can't, but to stay on top of things, you know? Yeah.
0: So how, what was it like growing up knowing that you had this?
1: So it was hard. I remember that my cousins, because I grew up in a, a really big family. All my cousins are here and, um, they would like to rough house all the time and wrestle. And, um, I, I couldn't, I had to kind of either sit out or just risk something happening to me. And, um, And I remember I couldn't do any sports growing up. And I remember being sad. And sometimes I don't know if it's the fact that I couldn't play sports that made me want to do them. Like, (laughs) I don't know if I was a normal person that I would actually even want to play sports. But I couldn't. I remember um, for PE, my mom talked to them and I would have to sit out from a lot of sports. And I was mad. I would have to go to, like, the library or just sit there and watch people. And it sucks being different when you're a kid, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So that was a big um, change for me and just trying to teach people on how to be cautious with me. Like I remember one time, one of my cousins, I think he threw a ball and it hit my shoulder and had a big old bruise and he got in trouble. So sometimes I was scared that my cousins would hate me because they'd always get in trouble if I got hurt, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it was, it was difficult in that sense growing up because luckily it didn't, my diagnosis didn't arrive at a time where it was super life changing because I can't imagine getting the diagnosis now and then having to adjust my life after living a normal life for so long, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. So, what kind of complications have you had with this?
1: So, I've had a few major ones. I had done pretty well, I guess, if you can say, up until I was 18. Like, the main things that I would just get are a lot of cuts and bruises and, um, I had been hospitalized before I was 18 for like the inflammation in the intestines, but nothing too serious. Like I remember one time I was in the hospital and I was like, it's just dehydration. And then they were like, "Dehydration's pretty serious. But I'm like, if you look at that compared to some of the other stuff I can get, I'll take it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I started when I was 18. I was in my senior year of high school and they had my first bowel obstruction. And... Um, I had to get surgery th- that time. I missed about a month of school and they actually removed a, the, my piece, a small piece in my small intestine because it was so inflamed and um, I actually just found out last week that I had a small perforation that time too just because the intestine was so inflamed and large that it was kind of tearing, it had little micro tears in it. Wow. Yeah, so um, I had to get surgery for that. And at that point, that was like the hardest thing for me that I'd ever gone through. And my doctor did pretty well at explaining like the protocol, what they should do, and managing afterwards. So like I wasn't allowed to use my abdominal muscles for a while. And um, I did fine. I did pretty well after that. But then a few months later, so this was in March. A few months later that year, I was in my first semester of college, and I had another bowel obstruction. And so the scar tissue from the first one caused an obstruction later on. So they had to open me up again, and they had to just like cut the scar tissue away from the intestine that was causing the obstruction. So that one was a lot easier to recover from than the first one, just because the first one, they took out my small piece of the intestine. Mm -hmm. But that was... um, the first couple of major things that happened to me which was pretty scary you know yeah and then um so I had done fine that was in 2012 and then in 2015 I had torn my calf muscle so that is kind of a long story in itself too it was in November of 2015 I was out country dancing I love to go two-stepping (laughs) <laughs> and awesome. i know everybody always tells me they, they tell me not to go because i always get injured from there but i i like it so i'm not you gonna to do i'm gonna keep like going it. you know exactly <laughs> so uh, it was a line dance tearing where i was wearing boots it wasn't even heels and i had felt my calf muscle just hurting you know it just kind of felt sore so i got off the dance floor and it, it kind of good to stretch it but after a while it kind of hurt to stand on it I told my friend i think we gotta go i, I can't I can't really stand and it's hurting so we left and I went home and my leg was huge it was swollen and um, we went to the ER just because we were concerned for blood clots because I'm at risk for blood clots also ironically my blood doesn't clot but I'm at risk for blood clots <laughs> and so um, we went and they rolled that out so we were happy so my hematologist said that it was probably um, a hematoma in my muscle so I had like a bruise in the muscle that was Mm -hmm. bleeding and um so he had me stay off of it for a couple of weeks and then it was fine i was walking again i was doing physical therapy to kind of get that that muscle strength and motion back and then a few months later i was walking around on campus and i was doing the elliptical again because i'm like okay i have to strengthen my muscles to prevent muscle injuries from happening right Mm -hmm. so um That a few months later, I had felt my calf muscle pain again, and it was worse. Because before, I could at least walk on my tiptoe, and it was fine. But now, I couldn't even put my weight on my leg at all. So, they did an MRI, and they had seen that a few of my muscle, like the muscle fascia that surrounds the muscle, a few of those little fibers were torn, partially torn. And um, so, I had to stay off of it. And that was in 2016. So, it was a few months after 2015, right? That mm-hmm. was at the end, the first time. So in 2016, in March, they, since there's not a lot of research done with vets, nobody really knows how to go about treating injuries or anything. Everybody just kind of free balls it. And so they told me just to rest for a bit, and then I could start walking again. So all 2016, what it was doing was healing and then tearing again. Because they would say, okay, you can walk. And I'd walk, and it would tear again. Oh. So it wasn't until later on that year, um, I, guess I want to say maybe eight months later, they finally put me in one of those big orthopedic boots. And I was in that for like, I want to say a year and a half. Wow. And they told me to stay off of it completely. So I was in a wheelchair because the crutches, when I would use them, it would rupture the vessels in my hands from the pressure and my own weight walking with the crutches So I went through a long, long year and a half being in the wheelchair, not being able to get myself places and um, having my friends wheel me around everywhere. And on campus, my campus is full of (laughs) hills. So they got they got their their workout. And um, so that was that was my second major event. It had finally healed. Um, I was still in crutches for my pre-nursing courses. I'm a nurse now. I graduated. And Congratulations. Thank you. Um, so I was in crutches that first semester, and then I was in the boot in my actual first semester of the program. Um, so it was it was doing fine. It was doing fine. That was in 2017. I had finally gotten out of the boot, and I was scared. I was scared to take it off. And my orthopedist, he actually goes to one of the hospitals that I was at the first semester, and he would see me. And he was like, "Do not be in the boot. You'll be fine. Because <laughs> if you can bring it, because like, you can bring it, but." Just leave it in the break room, and you can put it on if you need it. So I was like, "Dang, I have to listen to him because he comes here. Like he'll see me, <laughs> you know." <laughs> so yeah, it started doing better after then, and um, that was I was thankful, honestly, that it, it was not GI issues because I'd rather have my like, calf muscle tear than have to go through surgeries and everything, just because they're so risky and yeah. it's hard to recover. So then, in 2018. Gosh. Last year, yeah. The beginning of 2018, in February, I started to get a lot of GI issues. So, in February, I started feeling... I had uh, school that day, I came home after a test, and I had this weird feeling in my stomach, under my belly button, and it felt like I was just stuck in a sit-up for a long time. Like, just in a crunch, if that makes sense. You know how when you do too many of those, you feel sore there. So... I was like, this is weird because I ob- I never use my abdominal muscles. That's something that I was told I can't do. I can't do sit-ups or push-ups. And because of the pressure that it puts on the intestines and the organs that are there. So, um, I tried to, like, unbutton my pants and put myself in ways where I would try to relieve that pain. And it wouldn't go away. But it was more annoying than painful. So... I just remember sitting there, and then it felt like there was a bunch of gas buildup in my intestines, and I was trying to let some out, but nothing would come out, right? Mm -hmm. So then after a while, I felt this really strong, sharp pain, kind of like I got punched in the stomach, and then it was gone. And then I felt a warm feeling go down my legs, and I got a metallic taste in my mouth, and I was very shaky. So I was like, okay, this is not normal. (laughs) So um, I got to tell my mom, and... um, we're very lucky because my hematologist he's the one that diagnosed me he's a pediatric doctor but he still he still follows me to this day so whenever I have something weird like that I have his cell number to call or text him and he'll tell me whether or not to go to the ER Mm -hmm. so we called him he said to go ahead and go and they didn't find anything wrong I had a little bit of inflammation um my lab markers for that were a little elevated but it wasn't there was. they did scans everything was normal so they admitted me just for observation and I was fine so I was there for about five days and then since that hospital visit I never got better um, I had a hard time keeping foods up I remember just trying to do they always tell us to do like clear liquid diet or liquid diet whenever you have inflammation just to kind of calm things down and see if that helps
0: mm-hmm.
1: so I had, I had tried doing that. I was drinking just broths and maybe some green juice. But every time that I would drink like the green juice, my stomach would cramp ugly. And it was a whole cycle all that year. And I had lost a lot of weight. I lost 30 pounds in 2018 because wow. of all my GI issues. Yeah, was I, I laughed because I had... Or
0: did they determine no. what it was that caused the pain?
1: Yeah, they did. Um, so it turns out that I have a fructose malabsorption. So they had referred me to a GI doctor, and it wasn't until July of that year, of 2018, that I found out that if I eat things high in fructose, like fruits or juices, high fructose corn syrup, then it causes a lot of GI symptoms. So I was like, that makes perfect sense. I'm drinking those green juices, which are full of fruits, and that was hurting my stomach. And before this hospitalization in February, I was taking big like bowls of fruit to eat during lecture. I had four hour class. Like I needed to snack, you know. <laughs> and so yeah, it was it was the fruit that caused all of that. And I was taking I take Miralax every day, and I was drinking it with apple juice, which was like the worst one for me. And that was I discovered that's what was wrong with me. So then I had to kind of modify my diet to that low fructose diet, or at least in moderation. Mm-hmm and it's hard because nobody there's no set thing Everybody that has these gi issues they're so different and doctors are like basically you try this food and if you if it sits well you continue eating it and if it doesn't then you stay away so i have to do a trial and error and learn the hard way whether or not foods agree with me mm-hmm. and so that was in july and Actually, I wanted to mention too, I had seen the doctor, the GI doctor, and he he didn't really, the one that diagnosed me with the fructose malabsorption, he didn't understand VEDS. He was telling me that my intestines are very strong, and I don't need to worry about constipation. I'll be fine. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, sure, but 18-year-olds don't have bowel obstructions. They don't have this weak collagen, you know? So he just didn't get it. <laughs> And ironically, the next month after I got the fruit toast malabsorption, my colon perforated. Oh. So that was my next major thing that happened to me. Um, I, you know, all these these pains they come on suddenly, and I, and it's funny because I always tell my mom that if I have just annoying on like dull pain, that's fine. If it's a if I have pain for a week, it's fine. But if it's like sudden all of like in a day. Mm-hmm. and then you know what I mean like it just comes out of nowhere that's what I'm worried so I'd rather have like constant pain than the sudden pain that comes out of nowhere because that's serious all the time yeah <laughs> so um yeah so my colon perforated and they I was lucky enough to avoid having surgery with that that was in August of 2018 and I was in the hospital for about 10 days and they just kind of monitored me and made sure that I didn't get peritonitis and infection in my abdominal cavity or sepsis or anything, and um, they put a drain in because I had abscesses develop from everything that leaked out into the cavity out of my intestines, mm-hmm. um, which I, I would much rather have the drain than have to go through those surgeries, you know? Yeah. So um, I had been doing fine since then, but uh, my intestines were never the same. Like, I was okay but they never went back to normal since before last year. Mm-hmm. And I've had a few hospitalizations since then. Um, and it's funny too, cause you know, nobody wishes they were in the hospital, but they always happen at times where I didn't really have to miss a lot of school or it kind of worked with my schedule.
0: <sighs>
1: so I was like, if, if this is the time to be sick, like I'll take it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I was able to graduate in December and it was, it was pretty hard and I was doing okay up until last month, March, when I had a seizure. So I've never had a seizure in my life. I don't have epilepsy or anything. And I was at a friend's house, I had my mom go pick me up because it was too, like I didn't feel comfortable driving. And we came home and I told her, I'm going to run inside mom because I'm either going to vomit or poop. Something has to come out to make me feel better. And so I went to sit on the toilet, and that's, like, the last thing I remember. And apparently, my sodium levels had dropped so low that they caused me to have a seizure. So the the seizure, it dislocated both of my shoulders. And normally, I guess the dislocations heal pretty well. But with the dislocations, I also feel the fractures on both sides. The top of the humerus, I always explain to people that it's, like, a like a sphere, like a fist, it's dented in. So I tell them that it looks like Pac-Man, like his mouth. That's the dent on both um, both bones on both sides. Mm-hmm. So um, that's been a long healing process for me because I'm not supposed to reach backwards or rotate my shoulders inwards because that's the way that they dislocated. So its I mean, I'm already at risk for dislocations, but right now while it's healing, I'm not supposed to do that. And since I was immobilized for about nine days with um, big old pillows and slings, um, I had to relearn how to use my arms again. So I couldn't reach my face the first week. And um, I've had to relearn the movement of my shoulder and have to regain muscle mass. So it's been a big um, struggle. I have to have people help me with everything. Um, So I'm not working or in school or anything right now I'm able to focus just on getting better but it's been a it's been a struggle it's been a long year already wow
0: you've been through a lot
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) honestly it's funny because I I feel like I haven't but when I talk about it or I write it out I'm like damn it's the whole I could publish a book on everything (laughs) yeah so how have you done with this like emotionally it's been a little hard it's been hard because I when I hang out with my friends or family, I feel like I'm a burden. I feel like I hold them back. Um, even before all of this, I I remember when we go to concerts, and it's like general admission. I can't be up in the front because people are constantly pushing and everything. And I, I feel like we have to be way in the back. And I just feel like I hold a lot of the people back from doing things that they want to do and stuff. For the most part, um, I've had great friends and family that understand but it still doesn't take away that feeling you know yeah so that and um like you said that I've been through a lot it it feels like I'm 60 (laughs) it it feels like I have the like I've lived such a long life you know and I'm only 25 Mm -hmm. so that's been a little a little hard to deal with um when you, it's hard when you to have people that don't understand if that makes sense like people can try to understand as much as they want but nobody knows what it feels like unless they go through this themselves you know mm-hmm. um, that's been something hard for me too because a lot of people don't understand that I'm never gonna get better I'm never gonna heal like sure my shoulders they've gotten a lot better um, but I'm never going to be fully healed or fixed because a lot of people don't understand, like with my calf muscle tear, there are still some days where I might have to show up in the boot that I was wearing before just to kind of help it calm down. Um, people don't understand that I'm never going to be fixed. Once it's broken, it's going to be broken, you know? So that's a hard a thing that's hard for me to get across to people also. And the fact that sometimes I get really tired and I can be fine one morning and then even the next night just be super terrible. I can wake up feeling fine. I mean, wake up feeling terrible and then be fine at night. Mm-hmm. So um, it's hard for people to get, I guess, how I do things. <laughs> like I, I went to D.C. a couple weeks ago with my with my shoulders. And up until that point, I was kind of avoiding all my family parties just because it was... Uh, there's a lot of stress for me to kind of avoid people touching my shoulders. And it's, it's draining for me. So I think a lot of people don't understand that, yeah, I can go to D.C., but not go to this family party, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. And it was so, so great meeting you there.
1: I know. It was, it was awesome. It was like therapy for me. <laughs> yeah. What did the seizure feel like? So that I'm thankful for. I don't remember because my sodium levels were so low, I had altered mental status. So I don't even remember the feeling of my arms being, dis- my shoulders being dislocated. Wow. Um, I just know, and that's kind of the, the downfall to that too, I guess, because I went eight hours before somebody discovered that I was dislocated. <laughs> they, um, I just remember, I remember bits and pieces, because I was kind of in and out. I just remember that I was laying on my back, and it hurt because my shoulder is dislocated backwards. So it hurt being on my back because I'm sitting on the bone that's supposed to be in my shoulder. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, and I remember trying to sit myself up and I couldn't because I couldn't use my arms. So I remember just kind of using my neck to try to sit myself up and I would ask my brother and my dad to to help me sit up because I couldn't do it and right when they would slide their fingers under my arms it would hurt because my arms are dislocated, right? (sighs) So it it took a while for them to discover that. Um, I don't know what it feels like when they put them back in because they put me under. I'm thankful for that, but I'm also scared that in the future, if they do dislocate, because I'm at risk now for them to dislocate all the time, that I won't know what the pain feels like. So I'm kind of scared for the day that happens. (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah, I never thought that would happen to me. Like Seizure was the last thing on the list of (laughs) Things that could happen to me you know
0: <laughs> yeah I sit here and I think okay like artery rupture dissection bowel perforation. Yeah. like I don't have epilepsy so seizures on the very very bottom of the list exactly <laughs> that's crazy that's insane do they know why your salt levels bottomed out
1: so they're thinking uh, I had gotten an infusion of a new medication that I'd never had before that Monday Mm-hmm. Because that Monday, I was at my hematologist's appointment, and that's he does labs every time I go there. Everything was fine. Was, they were perfect. And my sodium has always been, like, dead center in the middle of the range. And the, I got an infusion of that medication, and that medication was supposed to be to prevent fractures because I have a little bit of osteoporosis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what's funny about it, too. Is it's supposed to prevent it, and then I still happen to get one. But... I had gotten it that Monday and we think that it might have just messed with my electrolytes a little bit and a combination of that plus the side effects, I had a lack of appetite. So I didn't eat anything for maybe like two or three days, just maybe jello and water. Mm-hmm. And then so I'm thinking maybe my sodium might have also gotten diluted at the same time. And then I was increasing the lax because I felt sick from my GI issues and so I was probably losing sodium that way also. So, I think it was just a combination of everything that week that might have just caused them to drop wow. suddenly. Yeah. What a bad combination of things. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny, too, at the same time, because since then, my intestines have been so much better than they have been in a year. <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe it reset my intestines or something. Or maybe I'm just focusing oh on gosh. this, right? Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I've been. I've been through a lot, I guess, and um, I I'm lucky. I have two degrees. I have my psychology degree and my nursing degree, and those those were a little bit hard to do. But I also wanted to give a shout out to my friends and family because they honestly they help me like support their emotional support and physical support. I have cousins who and friends who like literally wipe my ass for me now, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I'm like. I've just gotten so much closer with all of them, and I I don't think I would have gotten this far without everybody, you know? So I wanted to just give a (laughs) shout-out.
0: Yeah, that's awesome that you have that support. Yeah, it helps a lot. Do you plan to go for a nursing job now that you've got your degree once you get better?
1: I want to. That's been something that I've been debating about just because nursing is so physically demanding. For sure I can't right now because I can barely, like, right you know mm-hmm. um i don't i'm not too sure how long it's going to take for my shoulders to heal and nobody can really give me an answer because nobody's dislocated both shoulders at the same time that have vascular downloads. you know all these
0: mm-hmm.
1: little variables and i'm thinking if i do go back i might do the neonatal intensive care uh, so that's something that i've been looking into but i also have a research background so I might just stick on the research side of things, so I'm still kind of debating about what I want to do. But I have my license and everything, so I'm ready to go. I'm just my <laughs> body to catch up with me. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: That's so cool that you that you got through that and got your degree and everything. It's yeah, cool. I did. I
1: don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> I look back and I'm like, I don't, I don't know what I was thinking.
0: <laughs> Willpower. <laughs> yeah. Well power and perseverance, I think we have to have a pretty good combo of that. Mm Mm-hmm. So I think we we're like the best at that. (laughs) Yeah. Really congratulations.
1: And I'm pretty sure it's more the fact that we're like VEDS shouldn't let us doesn't let us do this, so it's like, no, we're gonna show it that we can. It's more like our stubbornness (laughs) that makes us do things, you know. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking
0: about at all. I'm not stubborn in the slightest.
1: <laughs>
0: right. Like it's, it's, Yeah. I'm very stubborn. I totally get it.
1: Yeah. That's really I feel awesome. like we're all the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: like don't tell me I can't do something.
1: Exactly. It's like reverse psychology, I guess. If anybody wants us to get get wants to get us to do something just tell us we can't do it. Yep. There we go. Yep. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well thank you so much for talking to me. Is there anything else that you wanted to share that we didn't hit on?
1: Um, I think, I feel like we covered everything. I just wanted to also mention just how lucky I am to have my, my doctor, my hematologist, oncologist. I mean he's been following me, following me for 20 years and his, him and his nurses there at the clinic, like they are just the most giving people that I have ever met. Um, so I, I just, if there's any medical professionals listening to this, it helps a lot to have a lot of compassion for your patients. So, yeah, just that. It's pretty much all my complications and everything that I've been through. But, yeah, its I could talk for hours on this probably.
0: <laughs> well, thanks again so much for for talking with me today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Katie. I was so excited.
0: Well, <laughs> um, Thank you, everybody, for listening. Again, this is Staying Connected, and this is Bella telling her story with vascular Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. I have an episode coming out on the last Sunday of every month, so stay tuned. Subscribe on your podcast player and share this podcast to help us raise awareness for beds. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you soon.